So we've been in this series, and we have been asking this question, is it possible to be a relevant Christian without sacrificing the truths of the gospel? What is the answer? Yes. Yes, a resounding yes. But our world is so broken. It is so broken. You just look around and you just talk to people and it is broken. There's broken people everywhere. There's broken people in here. There's broken people out there. there our world is just broken. You look at how um, the United States is heading and it just looks bleak, right? It looks real bleak. It looks like Satan is winning. But, but, if we would really believe that it is possible to be a relevant Christian without sacrificing the gospel, we would make a huge difference. We would make a huge difference. The question is, how do we go about doing that? Well, the first one, we talked about identity. Who do you identify with? Whenever the world starts to tell you who you are, do you believe the world or do you believe what the Bible says about you? Where is your identity found? That's the question. And we talked about that in week one. If you'd want to go back and look, listen to it or watch it, you can. You can go on our website and, or on our app, and you can go out and find that. Week two, we talked about purity. What you do really, really matters. How you live your life, how you go about doing life matters. And we weren't just talking about purity as far as sexual purity goes. It goes way deeper than that. We were talking about purity of heart is what we, what we were talking about in week two. And how you live makes a difference. How you live makes a difference. And then last week what we talked about was prayer. When we, are, when we have identified ourselves as believers, as followers of Jesus, we talked about prayer last week being the pipeline between us and God. Us and God. How, how does our relationship work? It works through prayer. And one of the things that I said last week that I, I, I hope really hit home is that we have two ears and one mouth and we need to listen twice as much as we talk. But that's not how we kind of go about prayer, is it? It's kind of weird to just sit there and try to listen to God, isn't it? But he wants us to hear him. He wants to answer our prayers, but we have too much noise going on most of the time. I know for my life, for me, really, from the time I get up, I have something playing. Either music or I listen to, um, I listen to podcasts whenever I'm in the shower. I, I, I have something, it seems as though I have something going on all the time. But sometimes, ever, ever talk to somebody with a walkie-talkie? Isn't that fun? It's fun until... The person on the other end doesn't really know how to use it. You know? Like, you're trying to talk, but they're holding the button. They didn't hear a word you said, and they're trying to talk, and it, it, it can get frustrating, right? Well, here, I got, some, I, got, I got one more little nugget for you about prayer. Let go of the button. <laughs> Let go of the button and listen. He wants to talk to you as people. That's you. That's me. He wants to talk to us. But we have to allow him to. So let go of the button. 
It's frustrating for him too, probably. I'm just guessing. So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about courage because it takes courage to live a Christian life, to be a relevant Christian in this broken world. It takes some major courage. And we're going to finish off in Daniel. We're going to talk about Daniel again uh, because he showed some massive courage in, in, in what we, talk, we talked about it last week, really. I would just want a quick review. Last week, Daniel was told that the king had issued an edict, a rule, a law that couldn't be reversed, that if anybody prayed to any person or God other than the king, they were to be thrown into the lion's den. And you remember what he did? He prayed with the window open for all the world to see. And he did it three times a day. So the group who wanted to get him thrown into the lion's den, guess what? They saw him praying. Did Daniel know the consequences of his choices? Yes. The, the, the consequences to his choices to pray to God was to be thrown into the lion's den. But he did it anyway. That takes real courage, does it not? When you know that life or death hangs in the balance of what you do, your choices, it takes real courage to do it anyway. Right? And so we're going to look and see what happens whenever... The consequences come his way. So in Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 through 28, it says this. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Here's your consequence, young man. But remember, Daniel was so revered and so loved by the king that his, the king's plan for Daniel was to put him over charge of the whole kingdom. You remember? Over the whole Babylonian kingdom, he was going to be in charge of it. Even though he wasn't a Babylonian himself, they, they took the best of the best Jews and they infiltrated them with the Babylonian way. And Daniel so lived right, the correct way, even in the midst of craziness, that he earned the favor of the king so much so that he was going to be put in charge. But he disobeyed. He disobeyed the rule, the law, the edict. That if anybody prayed, other, to, other than to the king himself, they were going to be put in the lion's den. Well, the king didn't want to do this, but he signed the rule. So off to the lion's den he goes. The king said to Daniel, may your God, and now this is interesting, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. The king isn't a Christian. The king doesn't believe in Daniel's God yet. At this point in time. But he goes to Daniel and he's like, May your God rescue you. Let's see what happens. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. You know what that reminds me of? There was another stone that was rolled in front of a den. You know what happened to that stone? It got rolled away three days later. And out comes walking Jesus, who had been died and crucified 
he, he rose from the dead, and three days later, that stone rolled on away. It just reminded me of it. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And he like put the stamp on it. Like, you're, this is it. You're, I, I, I hope that your God saves you and rescues you, but you're done. And I, I hate it. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. Why would he not be able to sleep? He loved Daniel. He cared about him. He had so lived right. He didn't want this to happen to Daniel, but he couldn't reverse the rule that he had signed. He was kind of stuck between a pickle and a hard place. I know that's not the right word, but I don't care. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. So as soon as dawn comes, up gets the king, and he goes running to the lion's den. And he's looking. What am I, I going to see? What is he normally going to see? Bones. He's going to see lions with blood on their mouth. He's going to see death and destruction. It's going to be bad. He hurried to the lion's den just to see. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel, are you out there? Are you still alive? <laughs> After many years of seeing Daniel's consistently lived out, live out his beliefs, the pagan king was starting to soften toward the idea that Daniel's God was what? The living God. The real God. Not the false God that they had been serving and following. Not, not him, but Daniel's God. After years and years and years, Daniel, because he consistently lived out the Christian life in the face of opposition that you and I have not had to face, he knew the consequences he chose anyway. The king was starting to soften starting to soften. And Daniel answered, <laughs> May the king live forever. <laughs> My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. In other words, those hungry lions, well, they were going to have to wait to eat because they weren't going to eat Daniel because God was saving him. He had more plans for Daniel. Daniel's time had not yet come. And so God sent an angel, shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. I have lived the correct way the whole time. I've never done anything opposed to you. 
The king was overjoyed <laughs> and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. In other words, hey, servants, you, go, you guys go get Daniel, lift him up out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, now remember, those lions are hungry. They hadn't eaten all night. <laughs> no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I think that's, really impor- that's a really important phrase right here. No wound was found on him. Why? Why was no wound found on him? Because he had trusted in his God. That's really important. Because you know what we tend to do most of the time? We tend to depend on ourselves, on our strength, on our smarts, on our intelligence, on our abilities. We tend to rely on that to get us out of a hot mess. Daniel trusted his God. (laughs) At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. You know, the group we talked about a couple of times, the group. (laughs) You know, here's a a good saying that the Bible tells us all the time. You reap what you sow. Right? You reap what you sow. You cannot fool God. He will, not be, he will not be fooled. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. And you will reap what you sow. And these guys had falsely accused Daniel of doing something that he really hadn't done. And you remember, they had the most difficult time accusing him of something because... He was so faithful to his God. And so they came up with this little plan because they said out loud, we know that he would follow God over man's thing. You remember that? And so they came up with that scheme to get him, to pray to God, and that went against the rules. So they got put into the lion's den. Along Now, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Your sin... Your sins never, ever just affect you. They affect everyone around you. Everyone around you. You think it's just you. You think, oh, I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm just, this this is just me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not true. What is true is sin affects everybody around you. So, so, those guys were brought to the lion's den along with their wives and children. And we think, oh my gosh, that's so harsh. Why would God do something like that? Because your sin doesn't just affect you, that's why. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions were hungry. The lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. All the men, all the women, all the children, all of them. They did what lions do. They didn't have God on their side. And Daniel did. So God saved Daniel and took care of the rest. Because you reap what you sow. Then the king Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly, Daniel, 
May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. He saw the true light because of Daniel's consistent life of God, of following the Lord. King, the king, <laughs> he came to know him, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel, his life was a picture for us. It's a picture for us to have courage in the face of whatever you face. That you can be a relevant Christian. You can live your life the way God wants you to, no matter the circumstances. No matter what people put in front of you. No matter if it's dangerous. No matter if it's safe. No matter if you get persecuted. No matter what. None of that matters. If you would just resolve to live the way God wants you to, people take notice. Just like King Darius, King, the King Darius. Just like him. Just like him. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So even as they changed uh, the kingdoms, he still prospered because of his resolve to live the way God wanted to. So, the big idea is this. Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. You ever met someone who has like that kind of courage just to live the way God wants them to? To say what God wants them to say? I'm going to share with you a story about Mike because, well, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Mike. He, I've seen him real, real, real mad one time. In the seven, 12 years that I worked with him, I saw him mad one time. Like real mad. And it was, an, it was a situation that needed to be confronted. But I was a little nervous. I didn't really want to do the confrontation thing. Because the person that needed to be confronted, well, they were a lot bigger than both of us. And if he wanted to, he could hurt us real bad. But Mike is like, no, it's going down. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And so we went to their house. We confronted them. And I saw Mike say things I have never, ever seen him say before that took some serious courage to do so. And you know what happened? I was like, yeah, that's right! Yeah, yeah, that's right! You get him! Right? I was, I, it was contagious. I, so because of his courage, I was like, yeah, you know what? That's right. You know what else? Da, 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 da. That's right. You better get your act together, young man. Right? It, his, his courage was contagious. 
and so is yours. The team from North Carolina, I absolutely love them. And the reason why I love them is because they come down every year. They come down for the carnival and they come down for VBS. And if we had something else, I'm sure they would come down for that too. And they come down and they are so... Uh, they're so, they're, I feel like they're just so filled with the Spirit that in the midst of chaos, they are able to say whatever God wants them to say. And you know what that does to me and to other people around them? We go, yeah, that's right. That's right. What they're telling you is right. The way, the way to heaven is through Jesus and that's it. And and. If they can say it, I can say it. Because their courage is contagious. It rubs off. I love being around people like that. I love just being shoulder to shoulder with them and working and, like, and trying to advance the kingdom. I don't want to be with a scaredy cat. I don't want to be with someone who's just going to shy away and be like, hmm... We'll let someone else do that. I want somebody who's, be, who's like, let's go, Eileen. I want somebody like that. Let's go do it. Because courage is contagious. And so are phones. Daniel's courage in the midst of persecution it led to the transformation of an entire nation. Let me ask you a question. How's our nation doing? You think we're doing good, like, Christian-wise? Like a bunch of Jesus followers? You know, we were founded on the Christian principles. How's, how's that going for us? Is it going good? <laughs> You know what it's going to take? You. Me. Us. The church. It's going to take us to be courageous. Even in the midst of persecution, Daniel's courage, one guy, one, one guy, his Example led to the transformation of an entire nation. One. The power of one. We got more than one in here. Jesus had 12. We have more than 12. Right? But it's going to take courage to live the way God wants us to live. You know how there's two roads? We talked about this in our small group this week, and I just thought it was so profound. I'm pretty sure I'm the one who came up with it. <laughs> there's these two roads, right, the Bible describes. One is very wide, and it leads to destruction, right? It's, it, and, and many people are on it, and everyone's heading in the same direction. And then there's that other road. It's narrow, and few find it. Instead of it looking like like one road is like this and the other road is over here. 
I'm sure it was Ryan who talked about this. Okay. Because I'm not smart enough. I want you to picture it like this. You see these, you see these, uh, what do you, what, uh, carpet, mats, whatever. One is wider than the other. You see that? I want you to picture this. This is the wide road and people are going like this in this direction. The narrow road is kind of on it. But they're heading that way. Remember, there's people like this going that way. Wouldn't it be so much easier to just turn around and go with the flow? Wouldn't it be so much easier to do that? Of course it would. And that's what a lot of people do. They just turn around and go with the flow. Even Christians. And they start to compromise. They compromise what they believe in. They compromise the truths of the gospel. And they just go with the flow. On the wide road. It's much harder to be on this narrow road and going against the flow. It's harder, more difficult, but so rewarding. And if we would choose to do so, who knows? We may change our nation as well. Just takes a few of us. In their case, one, one, one person was able to do it. If we remain courageous in difficulty, when difficulty comes your way, and it's coming your way, if you aren't experiencing difficulty right now, well, it's coming around the corner. Because the Bible tells us you will have trouble. You will face some, some problems. But if we remain courageous in the midst of that, our faithfulness will influence the faith of those around us. When we see people who they, they, uh, they just show this resolve, it is so contagious. Do you remember when the shooting happened in Charleston? Y'all remember that? Do you remember... Everybody was amazed at how that church handled that situation. You remember? Why is that? Because their courage is contagious. It was like, man, that's how you're supposed to live the Christian life. In the midst of chaos. Their courage was so contagious. It captured all of America. Not just Charleston. All of America was amazed. Well, when we start to be courageous in our difficulties, it will affect those around us too. It will affect them. So what does a broken world need? from the church, because that's us. 
What does a broken world need from the church and the followers of Christ? What do they need? Because aren't we here for the world? Aren't we here to make a difference in our world? Isn't that why we're put here? You're not in Beaufort by accident. God has you here for some reason. And it's to make a difference. Not to just go with the flow. That's No, that's not why you're here. You're here to make a difference. Or you're in North Carolina, you're going to make a difference. That's why you're there. At this time, at this place. So what does the outside broken world need from us? Isn't that a good question? Do they need bigger lights? A better sound system? Drums? Is that what they need? We, we need a big flashy show to put on so that, so that they will be attracted to the church. Is that what they need? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us what they need. It says this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. They don't need you to be super smart. They don't need eloquent words. They don't need Christianese. They don't need words like that. The only people who understand that kind of stuff is Christians anyway, and who cares? They need the testimony of God. That's what a broken world needs. For I resolved, and I love the word resolved, that's my new word, favorite word. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What does the world need? What does the broken world need? They need people who follow Jesus and their message is the same. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because that's the way to heaven. That's what a broken world needs. We don't need a new way of proclaiming that. We don't need fancy words. We don't need to go to another class to teach us how to do that. What we need to do is have the courage to tell people about Jesus and how he was crucified and how he was raised from the dead so that we can have a relationship with God. That's what a broken world needs. We don't need all of this. I like all of this. I like you. I like all of this. But if people were interested in church, where would they be? In church. That's where they would be. They need followers of Jesus to tell them about him. And it takes courage to do so. And so some of you may have some anxiety right about now, right? You're like, oh my gosh, you want me to evangelize? Uh, why, yes, I do. But you know what I want more? I want you to be like Daniel. I want you to be like Daniel. He lived a consistent life year after year after year and people noticed. 
When you do that, evangelism becomes so simple. You don't have to have this, like, ABC or uh, uh, Evangicube or... You don't have to have all these little fancy things to tell people about Jesus. When you consistently live a Christian life, people start to take notice. People start to ask questions. When people start to ask questions, you get to answer. Just live how God wants you to live. People start taking notice. And don't tell them about the link. Golly, I hate that. Like, when, when, you, when people start asking questions, don't say, oh man, I go to this great church called The Link. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is what I want you to do. When people start asking questions, tell them what Jesus is doing in your life. <laughs> not, about, not about The Link, not about the church. Talk about Jesus and what he's done in you. People will start to take notice. Paul says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Is it okay to be nervous? Yes, it is, because it's scary. That's why it takes courage to do so. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Sounds a whole lot like me. I don't have wise and persuasive words. I don't have this great knowledge. I just know Jesus and him crucified, just like Paul, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom. It's not based on how smart you think I am or how smart you think your pastor is. It's not based on that. It's based on God's power. God's power. God's power. Jesus, he's the one who makes the difference. So if we can be courageous, again, what does the world, broken world need from the church and the followers of Christ? A broken world doesn't need eloquent ways to persuade people to follow Jesus. I think that's what is part of it is a turnoff. When we start to try to persuade people. That's not our job. Our job isn't to try to persuade anybody. It's their choice. It's their choice. But when we continue to live faithfully to God's word, they will take notice. They will start asking questions. They don't need new and improved ways to present the gospel. They don't need big lights and fancy smoke machines and they don't need big bands and they don't need, they don't need any of that. They need the church and Christ followers to preach Christ crucified. Can we start to do that in our neighborhood, in our town? Can we start to do that can we have the courage just to do that? Can we have the courage to face whatever comes our way and to faithfully follow Jesus no matter what? And whenever we do that, we can be like Daniel. And be like Daniel. People may not like our beliefs. You know, because sometimes we sound intolerant. And sometimes we sound like we're bigots. And sometimes we sound like, well, <laughs> we just don't believe like everybody else, right? The wide road, the narrow road. They're going to clash. It's going to happen. But when you consistently live by 
God's word. People may not like our beliefs or our different lifestyle, but they are drawn to watch. And the thing that happened in Charleston is a very prime example of that very thing. We don't have to seek out, oh, this is not a pastor thing. Like to go out and evangelize, that's not for the pastors only. We are all, I, I can be right in the seat with you guys, right? I'm going to sit down right here with y'all because I'm a part of y'all. We, we are together. We're a group. Nobody is more important or less important than the other in the kingdom. We don't have to seek out positions of influence to make a difference. We just live our lives faithfully, day in, day out, as citizens of another country, another kingdom, and people take notice. And in Daniel's time, it changed the whole nation. So, is it possible... Is it possible to live a Christian life in this broken world and be relevant? What's the answer? Yes. It takes some difficult, it takes some progress on our part. It takes, it, 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 it can be difficult. But take courage and take heart. Because you don't go at this by yourself. God tells us, take courage, for I am with you always. So when you go out, just remember, you have God. And if you have God, who can, who can be against you? The last thing I want to say is this. Paul, in his, in his life, he faced some trouble. Right? Had to go to prison. He had to face all kind of oppositions. And they arrested him. And if you were arrested for doing something you didn't, like, you, you know, you're just going out there telling people about Jesus and you get arrested, most people would start the complain session. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm being persecuted. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm being put in prison. I can't believe that I'm being treated like this. God, what is the deal? Isn't this supposed to be like, you know, like I follow you and you just bless and bless and bless and nothing bad ever happens to me? Nah, that's not how the game is played. So Paul has to face all these trials and tribulations and these people are like, hey Paul, you're going to have to be, keep quiet. And he's like, <laughs> you're nuts. I will never be quiet about Jesus. I will never, this is Chad Barr version, I will never stop talking about Christ crucified. You can't make me. And they're like, well, we'll kill you. He says, awesome. That means I get to go be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I will be a martyr for him and people will take notice. I mean, the worst thing you can do is kill me? Come on. Let's do it. And they're like, oh, wait. Oh, maybe that's not the best idea. Because that might spread the word. What we'll do is we'll, we'll put you in prison. He's like, sweet! Put me in prison. You know what that means? I get to tell people about Jesus. 
So whether you kill me or you let me live, either way, it honors God. And that's what my life is about. <laughs> it takes courage, though, to be like that, does it not? But take courage and take heart. Because God is with you wherever you go. Let me pray.